Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Backstage Gaming, a show where we talk about gaming and storytelling and stuff. I'm Dylan. You just threw me for the biggest fucking loop of my life. <laughs> I'm Chris. <laughs> are, is it backwards day? Well, okay. Thank you, Dylan. I wasn't expecting that, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm going to be daring today. Yeah, it's fucking carpe diem, my dude. Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're we're here. We're backstage gaming, and we're joined by a guest this week. Uh, guest, hi, introduce yourself. Hello, hello. My my name is uh, actual Dojinshi character Coop. Uh, <laughs> I'll never at, fucking it's escape. So weird oh. hearing it come out of his mouth. <laughs> it is You're, weird. You said that. You said that with your human throat. You know, the only one you have. <laughs> my mom's going to be so disappointed. Um, so Coop is one of my oldest friends. We went to high school together. Uh, and Coop, tell, tell the friend, tell the fans a little bit about what you do and who you are and why you're here. Yes. So like Chris said, I have known him. This is going to sound kind of, this, I was thinking about this earlier, uh, like last night. I've known you for over a decade now. Yeah. Cause we, we started hanging up more in high school, but we met in like seventh grade, sixth grade, something grade. like that. Yeah. So it's so like getting close to 15 years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, wild. Yeah. Oh man. So the old man energy is strong. Yeah. Um <laughs> even though we're not old at all. I I I am a coop. I right now when I'm not corporate slave, um I do a podcast with Mr. uh Dylan over here called Dude You Remember Macross. We talk about and we talk about old anime, specifically the original Macross series. Um, some people in the West don't know it. Some people do um, because licensing is a bitch and criminals. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's. A- I like. I'm sorry. Just motion to move anything that's unpleasant. Just. You know, because criminals. <laughs> well, actually, the company that holds the rights. A lot of people are like. A lot of people think that uh, it's. That company has like a bunch of tax evasion schemes. Oh, very cool. Love that. Yeah, so there's actual like weight and validity. <laughs> yeah, that. and the current uh chairman is he is he's a he's a convicted felon, especially in Italy, of like tax evasion and money laundering. So Love that. Yeah, it's not it's unprecedented. Great. <laughs> not unprecedented. And other than that, I've just started podcasting. I've just been kinda shit talking on the internet for many many years and uh saying weird things in person that chris or somebody goes did he really just say that (laughs) and then then somebody goes 
Nah, don't worry about it. Coop says shit like that. It's He's probably fine. fine. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. So that's me. And yeah, so we have Coop on. We're gonna we're gonna take advantage of the unique skill sets and knowledge bases of our guests, by which I mean Coop and Dylan are gonna spend the opening half of this episode talking about the Dragon Quest series, which is a game series I've played very small amounts of, which makes it not so great a topic for when it's just me and Dylan. But with Coop here. We're gonna we're gonna use that as now, an opportunity to. We, I can we're gonna we're gonna take limiters. the yeah we're gonna take the weights off. Um, <laughs> okay. And Dylan and Coop are gonna you talk a little bit about that, and then we're gonna transition from some of the interesting things that Dragon Quest does narratively and with the way that they portray character into talking about a game that Dylan and I are very excited about, the new Fire Emblem game, and we're gonna talk a little bit about how those games use their characters and interact with make the interactions between character and narrative and your as a player your emotional response to the game and it'll be it'll be a journey we'll see how it goes so yeah, i'm I gonna guess... i'm gonna sit back largely for the first half i will interact as i can and i'll ask questions as things uh come up that i think might be interesting but mm-hmm. this uh this opening bit is going to be the dylan and coop show a little bit <laughs> a sample of uh okay. do you remember yeah <laughs> uh so, yeah, I guess uh, how, the way I want to start is uh, Fire Emblem and Dragon Quest are like two very different franchises with very different audiences and mechanics and all of that stuff. I think the one thing that kind of ties it together, for me at least, as a fan of both series, is this idea that... So you have uh, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy was... Final Fantasy VII specifically is the RPG that made Japanese role-playing games popular in the West. Uh, yeah. And the way it did that was it really sold itself as like a movie you can play. So they, they put a lot of emphasis on the visuals of the cutscenes, the grand stakes, the scale, the scope, uh, things that like, you know, they, they kind of brushed all the, the strategy and the, the numbers and the, the, the more mechanical aspect of RPGs under the rug. And so that's why I think a lot of people, when they, when they talk about RPGs here in the West, they they really like to get into like the story, the characters, the arcs, the the development, yeah, uh, more so than like you know the the nerdy shit that mm. I like it for the the numbers, <laughs> the the number crunching, the the mechanics. We'll start with Dragon Quest because Dragon Quest is actually the biggest Japanese RPG uh, franchise in Japan. Oh hell yeah! Uh, <laughs> And it hasn't really ever caught on as much in the West, and I think part of that is due to the fact that while there are characters in Dragon Quest, and they are delightful, there's not as much of an emphasis placed on character development and melodrama in Dragon Quest that you would expect from a game like Final Fantasy or Persona or I there was a third one in no. my head, uh, the Tale series. We talked about yes. the Tale series with Christine a while back. Yeah, because uh, really, from what I know, so uh, just to be honest, I haven't played. Dylan has more Dragon Quest experience than me because after the hose mad fiasco of 2019, <laughs> that got. I'm sorry. What now? <laughs> Have so... you not? <laughs> okay, yeah, this is a smash Twitter thing. Yeah, so after the hero from Dragon Quest, which is uh, basically one character, but he has the skins of the various main characters from Dragon Quest XI, eight, four, and three, um, yeah. announced for Smash, people were pissed. It was like, it's another anime swordsman. Oh, so, hey, you know what? That also ties in nicely. Uh, Smash players hate Fire Emblem and Dragon yep. Quest. Yep, pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> wholeheartedly. 
yeah. pretty accurate. There's um, too many sword users in Smash Bros. There's not enough. So the hose the man. Wild is the worst Zelda game. It's I I <laughs> I had to put one in there. <laughs> yeah, I I respect it. Uh, but so as a result of all that, the hose mad was just a meme. People started throwing around with that song, just because people were so mad. But what got me into that that part of it was you see the Japanese fan reactions to it, and it's some of the most wholesome shit you've seen in your life. <laughs> It's Arigato Sakurai, or thank you, or Arigato Nintendo, and some loud screaming, and like, holy shit, it's a Like, like, I, you've seen so much hype over it's the infectious. years. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, the last time I felt hype this infectious that actually got to me was when uh, Max, Maximilian, um, oh, yeah, yeah first saw that re- reveal trailer for Final Fantasy 7, the remake, which, by the way, they should just call it Final Fantasy 7 and drop the remake because RUT did that, and they it was great. Cleaner. So, I welled up, and so what I ended up doing um, before we get to the character part, I ended up buying a 2DS right away with Dragon Quest 7 and then building up my arsenal. So, 7 is my particular wheelhouse and 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 going through the story i have unfortunately forgot the point we were trying to make it for (laughs) 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 we 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 needed the lead-in uh so yeah we were we were going to talk about well we can just talk about dragon quest 7 and its storytelling so like a lot of some of the best jprpgs that have hit me and I know Dylan can speak to this. Like, there was some Final Fantasy and some Dark Cloud growing up, but never in a specific long stretch. I remember the game, as a as a young babo, I got the most into. Um, RPG-wise, either it was Kingdom Hearts, but if we're going, like, strict turn-based, it was probably Final Fantasy X. So, mm. um, this is my story now. Um, so <laughs> That's a um, joke only for me. Yep. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Ah, ha, ha. Anyway, um, the big one recently within the last five years was Persona 5. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that game, and like even before that, because I'm also obsessed with Mega Man, to a slight extent, Mega Man Star Force 2. Um, but mm. what yeah, both those of are the, fun games. They're good. What those <laughs> games do well is, and Dragon Quest 7 does this as much as well, is it tells very episodic stories. That aren't necessarily... There is a bigger plot, but that's kind of not the point in a way. Um, yeah. I, I've heard I've heard dra- the Dragon Quest games, like, in terms of storytelling compared to One Piece. And I realize this isn't an anime podcast, but uh, it's, it's a very episodic, like, there is an overarching plot, but that's not the point. The point mm-hmm. is kind of... It's the adventures we had along the way. Yes. I'm gonna be a huge fucking nerd. Okay. Because I love stories like that, mm-hmm. and the origin of that kind of storytelling is actually very interesting. It it largely comes from, I guess not necessarily the origin, but like that is a, a style of storytelling that was really popularized in the modern day in uh, early American crime fiction. Yeah, I can um, see that. There's a line in uh, the book The Simple Art of Murder, which was a book by, I can never remember if it was Dashiell Hammett or Raymond Chandler. Raymond Chandler! One of the things that they talk about in it, it's, it's a book about the phenomenon of, like, American crime fiction and hard-boiled crime fiction. And one of the things that they, they bring up is that 
British crime fiction, things like Agatha Christie, was all very, like, sanitized. It all happened in, like, some rich person's house and, like, someone dies. Everyone's like, oh, dear. And then it's all about the denouement. It's all about, like, here's the end of the main story that we were following. He did it. And now the gentry can be satisfied and life in rich England can continue. American crime fiction is not at all about that. And there's a great line in The Simple Art of Murder where they say that a great American crime novel is one that you would read even if the last page was missing. The goal is not to Hmm. come to a great conclusion of the mystery. The goal is to come up with a mystery that allows for interesting scenes to happen. And that's something that a lot of, especially RPGs like Dragon Quest that have to last for dozens of hours have to be like they have to be that kind of story that like the individual scenes that you come to along the way are compelling enough on their own to keep you playing because otherwise like boy howdy that denouement is a really long way away yeah Uh, it's actually fitting that you mentioned that because dragon quest 7 specifically is the longest game in the series Um, (laughs) it's about as long as persona 5 uh which i know means very little to our audience so it's like a little over 100 hours like 110 hours and the three yeah, and the 3DS version is considered shorter, too, because the original PS1 version had much more complicated puzzles, and they did a lot of quality of life things in the 3DS remake that makes it a little more approachable. Um, yeah. I, I guess for like context and to kind of justify that choice, for the NES, you had four Dragon Quest games. For the Super Nintendo, you had two Dragon Quest games, and then a remake of the first three Dragon Quest games. For Dragon Quest Seven, they were like, alright, this you are you guys are getting one Dragon Quest game for this console generation, but it's <laughs> gonna be as long as like three Dragon Quest games. Oh yeah. And the, the episodic setup for this game, for our listeners who don't know, and uh Mr. Dreamboat over here. So you are uh kids on this island, there's Fishing Village, and right to the north of the island is the kingdom, and your best friend is the prince, um, Keither. Keither Sutherland. No, yes. okay, so this goes <laughs> even deeper. Before I go back to the plot, his, his father, the king, his name is Donald. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they, uh, they kind of oh look like Donald and Kiefer, too. That's incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, that that was probably intentional on the, yes. the localization team's part. Very <laughs> if intentional. If not, Yuji Horis. <laughs> uh, bless that man. Um, so you are these kids. You're adventuring, and everybody in the town says, in the island says, "Oh, there's no other islands. There's no point to go out on a boat and go adventuring." And we are the only island in the world. Yes, and you and Keither have been putting together this boat in secret. You don't learn this till later, but this boat in secret to go sail across the world and see what's out there. And I can't he- believe Kingdom Hearts fucking ripped off <laughs> Dragon Quest Seven. <laughs> it's never simple and clean, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> we just got done recording an episode of Do You Remember Macross? Where the weeb we energy were- is through the fucking roof. <laughs> Big we weeb making- energy. We were making you Kingdom all. Hearts references, so <laughs> now you guys know our yeah. deep, dark secret. <laughs> don't walk away. Um, please, oh baby. Um, <laughs> don't go. Don't go. And 
so through uh, heroic legends and Kiefer trying to figure out the mystery of why there are no other islands, they come across this shrine. And in the PS1 game, you do this complicated puzzle that takes like three hours. It's a lot quicker on the DS. But anyway, um, they find this fairy dude who's like, so you've been finding these stone tablets, right? Put this together. And they're there with their friend Maribel. And she's sassy and casts magic. And they put together one of these tablets and they get transported to another world. And they're like, what's going on? They solve the first mystery and they come back and they realize, hey, there's a new island. And then from here, the plot is they're finding pieces of these tablets to assemble for the fairy guy that will take them to new islands to solve their problems in the past. And then they come, the islands come back in the future in the present, if you will, when they have that problem figured out. So it's it's so the character beats with how they play with this work so well. Just just for me, um, yeah, yeah. Because there's uh, such Dragon Quest Seven uh, for me at least. I think it might actually be my favorite uh, cast. Um, yeah. I, I, I've played five and I, I love five. I've played, I'm, I've played through most of four and they're really good. Um, I, really me, like I, I should cast. know this because I was just editing this episode literally four hours ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one we talked about last episode with the shopkeep sequence, that was, that four? was the Patreon episode. You're right. It was the Patreon episode. S- support us on Patreon. Um, <laughs> I was recording that. Sorry. I was, rec- I was editing that one 12 hours ago. <laughs> oh, buddy. But that are was you four. okay? Uh yeah, that was four. That was four. Okay, and I, I just make sure I've got my my lion stra- yeah, straight. I've played and beaten three and four. I've made it through uh like half of eleven, but I decided to stop playing because I'll just get it again on Switch. And I've been I've I play seven on and off. Um, I usually play it when I'm not playing anything else because I enjoy that game so much. I want to make it last, even though gotcha. it's already like eighty ninety hours. <laughs> yeah, that time mechanic too. It provides some of that. I'm gonna. Put some spoilers in here, so Vin Diesel up. Put those spoilers <laughs> on your car, so this is a spoiler warning. Um, Vin Diesel is coming on through with The Rock. The super combo of Wild Speed is here. I, uh, I have not seen God. Fast and Furious, so this entire bit is lost on me. <laughs> okay, before... I think before, Coop just dissociated for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. So, okay, so really quick, at my job, I, I work in insurance, so I have to ask, hey, is this vehicle modified are customized, and I always say, because I'm that much of a loon, you're not buying it from Vin Diesel, right? Sometimes it gets a laugh, sometimes it gets a groan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, with the with uh, the pathos and the uh, the feelings that the time jump gives you, because well, your natural inclination after you restore the new island is to go see what it looks like in the present. I just I have a couple examples off the top of my head. So again, spoilers, big spoilers on your Suzuki Honda Civic. So isn't this game like decades old? <laughs> yes, um, I mean it is, but like still, no one's played spo- it. Spoiler warning's fair. Yeah. So there is a whole um, whole thing in the past where you save this kingdom from these robots, and uh, there's a scientist who ends up um, solving it, and he builds his own robot uh, or co-ops a robot to control the other robots so that they can be saved. But he hates everybody. He's antisocial. He thinks robots are the best. He, mainly because of, 
I, from what I can tell, either his lover or his sister died yeah, in an accident. can't break your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And so he decides to be alone for the rest of his life. And uh, you're like, you try to talk to him, try to, I try to talk to him, try to break him out of it. It, it will mm-hmm. never work. So he's there in his hut with his robot. You come back hundreds, thousands of years later. You go to that hut. You walk in because I went there right away. And there's signs saying this is forbidden. Don't go there. But you go in and you see all the robots. It's all disheveled because he has tons of robots. But you see the one robot he had built that saved the day, Ellie. And she is going back to this machine saying, must get soup for master. You're like, what's going on? Well, this character, his name is Anonymous. He wears glasses. And on the bed, you see a pile of bones with glasses. And this. And she's trying to make him soup because she's like, his bio sent, like his biorhythm is off. He must be sick. I have to get soup for Master so he can feel better. Oh boy. Yeah. It's so good. Like, Dragon Quest is like super happy and cheery. So when it stops being that, it hits like twice as hard. Yeah. It's. That hit me like. I think I, I was very close to tearing up when I saw that because the big thing I then went on FAQ saying, is there some way to save anonymous? No, this is. Oh, that's so anonymous good. is your Aerith. Yeah. That's so there, good. <laughs> there's no way to save him. You, this is how it's supposed to play out, but that's the main part of that. That really gets me. Um, uh, I just wanted to say that, um, I think the thing that is effective about this is that a lot of the story is from you, like, there's not really cutscenes in the traditional sense, like, there will be the occasional cutscene, but a lot of this is just, like, kind of reading different dialogue from different townspeople to give you the broader picture of the status quo, and then when you see the story kind of happen in front of you, it's very simplistic, but, like, because you have all this background knowledge from all the different townspeople, and you've done the sleuthing, that you have that much greater of an investment. That's really cool. Yeah, because you're discovering this for yourself, and what I what I love about Dragon Quest um, so far is, I think, my issue with a lot of modern JRPGs, Pers- Persona 5 does this a little bit on occasion. Persona 5 is, is very notorious for this. It, it handholds you the whole way, and I... It it puts you through. They call Final Fantasy Thirteen the final hallway. It's JRPGs are very hallway these days, and then they open up a little bit. Dragon Quest doesn't hold your hand, but it's not the best way I can describe. It. It's not like you're playing one of the early NES RPGs or a Wizardry or Ultima, where you have nothing to go on. They mm-hmm. there's by talking with people, and this happens in Ultima and Wizardry and all that as well. By talking to people, you get some more of a idea of what you're supposed to do. But in there, it's kind of obscure and obfuscated. You're just kind of like, you just kind of screw around till you find out what you're supposed to do. Here, yeah. I love that you talk to people. You put these pieces together for yourself. Um, so it gives you a path, but the path isn't necessarily laid out 100%. Which I just kind of, it's like... It gets me going. It gets my doki doki, my emotions going, <laughs> and I'm. It it makes me happy. It makes me a happy boy. Um, just because there's so many moments like anonymous, uh, the anonymous moment that comes up throughout this, of, um, something what I love in Japanese uh, literature is uh, very and 
video games and art, and this has gone into a bunch of other games, is we were talking about the journey, not the end. And with Buddhism, I'm, I'm, this is what I roughly know from my anime, from my weebism. So actual real Buddhists, please correct me on this. It, life, life is suffering, the Buddha said, but it's all about what you do in the middle there. Because it's going to end, but it's about the journey, not the fact that you're going to die. And I, I like, and this is like an anime. Like, I remember uh, it's something, a show Dylan and I both love. Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Chris. Uh, Fooly Cooly. Uh, oh, yes. Okay, yeah. good, 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 good. It's exquisite. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> at the end of that show, when I was when I was a young Babo, I had watched it on Adult Swim. I wish there was more. We got more. But at the time... As the years before we got that announcement, when I realized for myself, it's about enjoying what we have. It's not about what's coming next. Yeah. And especially in our society now, it's always about, like, hell, we're all guilty of this. Like, we think of, let's look at Fire Emblem, what we're going to be talking about in a minute. Yeah, yeah. About what the next game that's going to be coming forth, instead of just looking at things that are progressing in our life just as is, you know? It's yeah, about yeah. the journey, not what's coming next. Yeah, and, and I that's just, the thing that, ugh. like, we we as people, especially us dang millennials, um, <laughs> like, we are kind of conditioned to like strive forward all the time and like always yeah. have a plan for what's next. And like, I'm real guilty of this. With like, you know, hurling myself into a creative career means I have to kind of always be on that grind and like. It's important to be able to take a moment and, like, sit back and just be and, like, take stock of where you are and take stock of what you've done and, like, find a way to be content in that. And sometimes you can do that through taking a minute to play a particularly moving moment of a great game. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about those real-life adult struggles because Dragon (laughs) Quest and other stuff has helped a ton and talking with y'all, y'all motherfuckers, um, about, about stuff. It's like... Yo, being an adult is rough, but uh, on the bright side, there are escapes from that. So, yeah. oh, BSG just got real deep up in here. Oh yeah, <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. I think I think one of the really cool things about Dragon Quest is, in addition to how it tells its story, is like the the thematic weight of the stories themselves. Every Dragon Quest game is about family in some way, mm. um, and there are certain games that are like you know, honoring your family legacy. There are others that are about trying to live up to your family legacy. And then there, like, uh, one of my favorites is uh, Dragon Quest V, which is about growing up from a child to a teenager to an adult, like a father. And I think there's really, I don't know, like something about what we were talking about really just kind of made me think about that. Just kind of like how there is a, there's a sense of forward momentum in trying to live up to expectations that is prevalent in a lot of these games. Mm-hmm. And I, I just had a thought myself that um, Chris can really speak to on this. Because um, I ha- I haven't played it myself, but hearing you waxing on about God of War 2018, it totally is kind of on this as well, about really what you're talking about with all the sins of the father and Kratos coming to grips to the fact that, yeah, he's a monster, but he has to keep on... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, exactly. Like, yeah, could, yeah. You want me to talk about God of War 2018, do you? Well, I suppose <laughs> I can do that. Um, <laughs> if I had to, like, put a pin in, like, Kratos's 
desire if if I had to pick out a super objective for him he wants his son to be a better man than he was yeah like I personally do not have patience or time to think about God of War 2 or 3 because they were made because God of War 1 made money yeah God of War 1's story is incredibly well self-contained God of War 1 ends with Kratos getting his final revenge realizing that that doesn't fucking matter realizing that in the pursuit of that, he has become a monster and he has, like, thrown away everything that made him a person, that made him the person that the wife that he lost loved, and he hurls himself into the sea. And the tragedy of that is that his final punishment is, no, you don't get to die, now you're the god of war. And now you mm-hmm. have to forever live with the knowledge of what you have done. I've heard that the PSP games are actually surprisingly good. I, um, I've heard that as well. I can't speak to them. I've never played them. I never owned a yeah, PS4. I, I can't either. But then God of War 2018, Kratos has like finally actually broken himself as free as he can be from his past. And he's he's still haunted by it. There's a lot of great storytelling beats in that game where they, they touch on the ways that he is still impacted by all of the terrible things he's done. But the biggest thing in that is you see him trying to be an example for his son of and try to trying to set his son up for success and like there's a great scene right at the very beginning of god of war 2018 where the boy atreus kratos's son uh and kratos fight a troll and they kill the troll and atreus like runs up to the 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 body of this troll and starts hacking at it with his knife and screaming about how like you can't beat me i beat you and kratos like restrains his son and there's the performances in that game are incredible because you can see in the rendering of Kratos and in the motion capture that was done and in the facial capture but also in the the actor's performance like this is everything Kratos does not want yeah and it's such a little scene but it does so much for that game I this week's episode is not about God of War 2018 no. I can't make every <laughs> episode was, about God of War I, I was gonna say too on that note with the performances I love Christopher Judge, who plays Kratos. Um, oh, he's so good. I I love that man since he was on Stargate SG One. That's the reason I want to get to around that game eventually. But I I remember seeing a bit of the documentary about the making of the game, raising Kratos, and um, there's a scene this a bit later in the game. So Kratos gets his Cheney things back, but yep. you're watching Christopher Judge doing the motion capture when he's being told he's always be a monster and he yep. can't run out there, yep. and he yep. says. I know. And you look at Christopher Judge and he actually starts crying. And I'm like, oh. And the follow-up, he's being told this by Athena. The goddess Athena shows up yeah. to, like, torment Kratos. And she says, you'll always be a monster. And his response is, I know, but I'm not your monster anymore. Mm. And that is oh. such a great line of dialogue. God of War 2018 is f- fucking great. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'd be more likely... After talking about God of War, I'd like to go out to my games plop and grab a copy of God of War today, maybe over other <laughs> on top of Fire Emblem. But we'll see. Fair. Anyway, so, we were talking about Dragon Quest. <laughs> yes, yeah, but yeah. I, you know what? It's good convo, so yeah, who cares? absolutely. Let's let's go ahead since we I've been talking for a while. Let's hop on into your playbill. All right. Yeah, you see, know it, it felt like about shit. that time. Yeah, hop. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> Hop sound effects Yeah My, my sproing <laughs> oh.
Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Playbill. Uh, this is the point in the show where we talk about other things that we're doing, other projects that we have going on. Uh, we plug our shit a little bit. So, uh, hey, Coop. Yes. What the fuck? Who Who are you? What do you do? Where can people find more about you? So, um, as we, we had alluded to earlier, uh, Mr. Mr. Dynamite Dreamboat, um, Dylan and I, you're, you're absolute dreamboat. He's dynamite dreamboat. Oh, I got you. Um, okay. The, good to know. The, so we, uh, we do a podcast together called, uh, do you remember? Nope. I got to get it right. I'm fucking up the name of my own podcast. There you go. <laughs> Front stage gaming. Am I right? Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, <laughs> It's called Dude, You Remember Macross, kind of like Dude, Where's My Car? I, I Ashton Kusher cursed me. So we talk about, um, recently we've been talking about the 80s anime, uh, I want to say Dude, Do You Remember Macross again? Man. <laughs> um, we're talking about Super Dimension Fortress Macross, and we'll hopefully talk about spinoffs, um, just the effect, um, talking about some culture in and outside of um, how that affects the post-war Japan. Dylan... Dylan kills yeah. this with the eloquent explanations. I just talk about Fred Durst and Dragon Quest a good bit when we're talking. Um, oh, thanks, buddy. It's true. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of fun doing it. We just recorded some... Uh, we just aimed for the top with uh, Mr. Absolute Dreamboat over here. So Howdy. you'll hear that eventually. So And we're gonna we're planning on talking some other stuff too, but that's super fun. Uh, so you can check that out at anchor.fm slash dude you remember. And uh, that pushes us out, those wonderful folks at Anchor, uh, push us on uh, over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much any- anywhere you'd want to listen to us. So if you like us, go ahead, give us a listen. Hey, maybe you can give us a star or two, whatever. Just uh, we're happy to have you by. Um, and then hit me with those one and two star reviews. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Bury me. I expected to hear about giant robots, but they talked about Fred Durst and Final Fantasy VII all day. What the hell? We are notoriously Uh, bad at staying on topic. Yep. Um, But you didn't hear that. No, I didn't hear anything. So yeah, and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter specifically at Dude You Remember and then slash Dude You Remember on Facebook. Um, Yeah, and that is pretty much my plug. The only other thing I could think of uh, that I did mention in the intro is I used to do theater stuff, and I studied it in college, but I decided it wasn't for me. But I did tech stuff, but that's it. That's all I got to say. And where can people find you specifically? Find me specifically? Well, you can find me um, at 123 Main Street in uh, (laughs) Phoenix, Arizona, 49879. Um, (laughs) 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 Actually, no. Uh, at Rider Strike on Twitter. Hey, I feel like you guys who dox people, you've been putting in a lot of work. Let me make this one easy for y'all. So now here is um, here's my social security number and my mother's maiden name. There we go. Um, so yes, that 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 is all for me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a dude. And you remember. You remember. Uh, hey, Dylan. What are yes. you're in, dude? You remember I was on the recent one. We're also both together on another podcast. What's that? What's that about? Oh well, um, there's this there's this lovely show, uh, actual play podcast called the Unexplored Cast, where we play with a bunch of friends from college. the The previous season was kind of supernatural happenings in rural Ohio, but this this upcoming season, we're we're looking in space, and uh, I think it's going to be very exciting. Chris is going to be a regular on the show. I will make the occasional appearance. 
as I try to work my life out. Yeah, uh, the real mood. Sam. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really excited to play this. Uh, I only sat in when everyone was character creating, but I, I am really excited to see what y'all do. It's going to be uh, it, a great time. And if you want to check them out, you can find them on Twitter at UnexploredCast, or you can go to uh, unexploredcast.libsyn.com. Yeah. One other thing I want to plug right now, because it's actually like coming out shortly, uh, there's a great show called Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery, speaking of ooky spooky shit in rural Ohio. It's a phenomenal audio drama. They're doing some incredible things audio design wise and like with the way that the episodes are put together story structure wise. It's a great story. And I was lucky enough to get to be involved in a couple of episodes. I had one throwaway line in uh, episode 11, which released uh, as you're hearing this two weeks ago. And I'm also in the final scene of the season, which should be being released shortly, either this week or next week when this episode comes out. It's a great show. It was super fun to record. The scene I got to do was a great time and feeds into a recent typecasting thing I've been finding where I get to play people who get ripped limb from limb. So, you know, look forward to that audio nightmare. Hey, uh, at, le- at least you didn't get ca- typecast as cartoon dogs for the rest of your life. So yeah, there works. we go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can find them on Twitter at Unwell Podcast. They're also on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. Check them out. Also, um, I, I forgot to ask, are you feeling better, Chris? Am I feeling better? Yeah, you just said you were unwell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also, if you if you want to be fungally responsible for gags like that, you can check out our Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash bsgpod. Uh, it is currently at a level where it is covering all of our expenses, which is incredible and just never-ending thanks to all of our patrons for helping us not lose money making this show. And to anyone who likes our show and is not a patron, head over to patreon.com slash bsgpod, check out the reward tiers, check out uh what is on offer there and if you like what we're doing that is a great way to support us and every cent that we make goes back into making the podcast better and making the making our production value better potentially even making more shows if we get to that level and you know it's just wildly appreciated so thank you all to everyone who is a patron and if you want to be a patron that's how you do it um, welcome <laughs> yeah Co- coop is a patron and yeah. we love him forever just uh, yeah, just a disclaimer. I am a patron to them. I love them. They're my friends. So I yeah, I, I give them the money so they can and have we, a website, and we love you for it. I don't think there's anything else to plug. This episode will probably be a long one, just because talking with Coop is fun. But let's dive back in. Uh, on the other side of the playbill, was there anything else y'all wanted to talk about Dragon Quest wise before we get uh, to? Yeah, I was uh, gonna. I was just gonna Waifu say a couple Nation. things about. Uh, well, I guess as I segue into Fire Emblem, last couple things I'll I'll say about uh, Dragon Quest is, and I I think this is more emphasized in some games than others. There there is a very nice consistent sense of characters expressing themselves mechanically, as well as uh, through flavor text and party dialogue and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so using Dragon Quest Seven as an example, you have. You start with three main characters. You have Kiefer, Maribel, and whatever you name your main character. I think the default name is Aris. That's A-R-U-S for those who are curious. <laughs> I, I, What I really like about it is, uh, you know, so let's look at Aris. He's the main character. He's You're the one controlling him. So he's the one who's 
helping everybody out. He's talking to every NPC. So that is expressed with the default skills he learned are healing spells. Uh, he heals people. He he buffs people. Um, he's a very support. He's a he's a support type hero. Maribel is she's the daughter of the mayor of the town that Aris lives in. So she's fun, but she's also kind of bratty. She's uh one to get into. She's confrontational. Yeah. Uh, so she has like very offensive black magic. Uh, and that's fun. And then you have Kiefer, who's he's he's the rebellious uh son of the king. So he. he he should be learning and studying how to rule the kingdom, the kingdom of one island. Uh, but instead, he he dreams of adventure and he he sneaks out of the castle to hang out with Aris. And you know, uh, whenever uh, you talk to a woman NPC, he's like, "Oh man, she pretty." Uh, <laughs> he's kind of the Brock of the group, in all honesty. And so he's he's the heavy hitter. He's the slowest of the three. And so you you kind of got like a sense of these characters' personalities. Not only through party dialogue, which you can choose to talk to your party members after. You can do it at any point in the game. But sometimes they'll have something to say when you talk to a specific NPC. Yep. And that is another way that you can get a taste of their personality without without actually like going into a cutscene. But their personalities are also expressed mechanically. So there's this nice idea of you can, you can check it out when you want to. Um, other games do other things, but we've talked about Dragon Quest long enough, I think. I will say one one quick thing, because you, 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 you deep think it, you're more galaxy brain than I. But uh, <laughs> another thing, I totally, when I when I could give Maribel the whip, I did, and that totally fits her character, because she I... is... That... <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's dig up, because I get what <laughs> Coop is saying. Yeah. Um, the whip weapon in uh, Dragon Quest is very useful because it's a multi-target um, attack. So we, we talked about how Maribel is like a very offensive-minded character. So the whip is actually a very offensive-minded weapon because you can take out groups of enemies all at once. Okay. And it's snapping and biting just like she is. Yeah, it's also like it also fits her personality in a way that's not weird. So please slow your old Chris and audience. I yeah, I not not in that way. No, no. And then you get the boomerang and then Roth has that. But I I love wolf boys who ride on uh, giant sized wolves. I'll take that. But that's a later party member. He's he's also really cool. He's a cool Um, boy. So, yeah, uh, I guess to segue to Fire Emblem now. Something I really, I, I, Fire Emblem's really good at doing that as well. In a lot of the older, more classic Fire Emblems, uh, when you meet, when you recruit a party member, they will join the party and they have a fixed class. It usually fits their personality. So you have a character, uh, in the original Fire Emblem, your starting characters are Marth, the main character, Sheeta, his not girlfriend, but totally girlfriend. <laughs> uh, she's she's a Pegasus knight. Uh, you have Jagen, who is uh, Marth's mentor. He's a stronger unit, but because he's old, his stats don't grow as quickly. Oh, that's really cool. So oh, yeah. the mechanically, he actually gets left behind by the younger, more youthful units. You have a uh, you have an archer, Gordon. You have a uh, knight. It, so anyway, you you have a variety of characters, but the the thing that the original games kind of hammered home was this is the character they are of this class and of this type, and you will utilize their strengths and weaknesses. And each character has like their own different growth rates for different stats. So it really it, it's kind of this idea of like 
this is their personality, this is what they're good at and bad at, and this is how you work with that. Yeah. And I'll I'll segue that into the latest Fire Emblem game in a second, but I just wanted to say another thing that I really love about Fire Emblem in terms of storytelling is that it's very, or at least old school Fire Emblem, was very hands-off in regards to mm. that. Usually you'll get like a little blurb that's like a bit of a history lesson about the region the party is in. And then there might be a cutscene where, like, they get into a kerfuffle with a local bandit, or maybe it's the general of an enemy army. Um, a kerfuffle. A kerfuffle. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> just kind of on that note, too, when it comes mm. to getting characters, because I played a bit of Shadow Dragon, the remake of yeah, the first yeah. game. It's very, That game relies so much on it with new party members, too. When you uh, get them, you have to seek them out and have make sure the right unit speaks to them so they can join your party, yep. and also make sure they don't die. And, and that's that's kind of how you get that new character's backstory. You're yeah. like, all right, so this person is associated with this character. They know each other because of blank. That's really all the the text you get. So it, it's it's a game that's like more big picture, more broad strokes. Um, like I was saying earlier, you're just kind of given a little blurb about the region. You have a little bit of context for why you're fighting the army that you're fighting. And then any other story that uh, you're looking for is delivered to you by uh, townspeople that you rescue. And just on that same note, it feels... I'm Just going back on the character thing really quick. It feels like... I, people are going to hate this term, but the modern Fire Emblem, <laughs> Waifu Emblem, it kind of <laughs> it, it kind of goes more to, hey, you have these characters, you don't really seek them out, they just kind of come to you, which is yeah. fine, uh, but it it's it gives you a little more effort, it gives you a little more bang for your effort the classic way. I'm not saying, oh, this is new and bad, I'm just l- pointing out the difference. There. No, yeah, but is- I, I get what you're saying, like, it feels almost like a... Uh, a formality at this point it's like you get yeah. new party members because of course you get new party members especially in a franchise that utilizes permadeath yeah um and like mm-hmm. the last console fire emblem games path of radiance and radiant dawn path of radiance at least kind of played in that space it was like it had one foot in the old school version and one foot in the more modern take on how characters come into your party in path of radiance there are some characters that they just come to you and join your party as the story progresses. There are others that you have to do that point of, like, remembering, like, there's one that I remember where there's a, there's a mission in the swamp, and if you, like, a few oh, levels yeah. prior, one of your characters, Marcia, a Pegasus Knight, is talking about, like, God, I'm so tired of my, like, idiot brother getting in trouble with mercenaries. And then you get to this mission in the swamp, and there's a guy on a horse with pink hair. Marcia is a Pegasus Knight with pink hair. And there's a brief cutscene he has where he's like, man, my sister was right. I need to stop gambling or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's pretty there for you, but you still have to remember like, oh, this is a thing I need to do. I better make sure Marcia gets over to him before he runs into my axe-wielding dervish of death Boyd and gets completely fucking bodied. <laughs> yeah, man, fucking Boyd. I love him. Uh, and uh, so they, there was like a bit of transition from one to the other. Uh, and now that's actually a good seg- segue into uh, Three Houses because Three Houses plays a slightly different game with how you Three get Houses new characters. Just kind of reinvents the whole franchise, but like it's really cool. In like I I really dig it. Uh, last couple things I want to say about Fire Emblem. Sorry, uh, <laughs> old school Fire Emblem. I guess I should say is that as the series came into America, I feel like that was kind of the fr- 
the first big focus in like changing the way the stories were told where it has kind of more of a the the first american fire emblem gave me like a saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe like it reminded me of watching pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or something mm, sure where, uh like yeah there was a lot more dialogue between characters at least in the early game uh it had a bit more of an episodic format by the time we reach uh fire emblem awakening I haven't played a lot of Fire Emblem Awakening. I I borrowed, like, a friend's copy and played, like, four levels, and I really liked it. Yeah, I will Uh, say I have not touched... um, Awakening... Any of the the handheld Fire Emblem games since, like, the Game Boy Advance era. So, Mm -hmm. as someone who's played Awakening, has played most... Okay, like, a good half of them. Mm -hmm. I would... uh, Fates is okay. It goes to Waifu. To Waifu for you. that's that's why... Um, I I was uh, I I've played more of Fates than I have Awakening, and I, um, I would agree with that. Awakening's probably the most balanced of the new skew of Fire Emblem games. I've heard mm. good things about Echoes. Other um, Chris and I have another mutual friend who gets giffled and riffled um, on occasion, <laughs> and uh, he played through Fates, and he said, uh, "Not Fates, Echoes." And he says it's really good, especially with throwing out the weapon triangle and going back to the classic. Because yeah. I think what happens in Three Houses takes a lot from Echoes. Um, he says that game gets hard, hard as hell. It is a remake of an NES game, so that makes sense. True. Awakening uh, and Fates is what I have more experience with, so I should really just say Fates. Fates and Awakening both put you, yes, you, the player, you're your own self-insert. You! Um, and you are a character, and there's this... A, lot, a greater emphasis was put on support conversations, which have been mm. around since um, Fire Emblem 6, but now in Awakening, which I believe is Fire Emblem 13, something like that. That sounds about right. Uh, Wait a second. If this is, if the main character is you, how does this relate to Persona 4? Shut up. Pretty heavily. Let's <laughs> continue. I, uh, I couldn't resist there, myself. <laughs> there's, like, there's a greater emphasis put on support conversations, which in... Fire Emblem, you, if you have a support with another character, which means if these two characters are on good terms, they will give each other bonuses in battle. And it's really cool, but uh, a greater emphasis uh, in starting with Awakening was on the marriage mechanic, where these characters will marry and then their kids will show up and fight uh, from the future, don't worry about it. You know, it's cool because you're they, they're taking ideas from previous Fire Emblem games, uh, this was done back in like 1992 or whenever Fire Emblem 4 came out. But a lot of that character kind of gets removed because almost every character, every male character can talk to every female character and have some different combination of offspring and offspring sounds so clinical. That felt gross. <laughs> uh, child. Um, and Spawn. Because, yeah. Because that can happen, the writing kind of suffers because there's not really a consideration for what region is this character from? What are they doing? It's just like, I like this character's personality quirk and I like this character's personality quirk. And I think if I mash them together, that is going to be a fun thing for me to watch. And that's fine. Chase your sky. Let people enjoy things. Yeah. But like, I, I did start to feel a little alienated from this series because... So much focus and emphasis was put on these characters with, like, one or two personality quirks flirting with each yeah. other. That what I came... Like, the, the the storytelling that I admire about the old games was kind of getting lost. So yeah. now we can transition 
to Fire Emblem Three Houses, which, uh, as of this recording, came out two days ago. Yeah, by the time you hear this, it'll have been out for a week and a half. Um, yeah. Dylan and I have both been playing it. It does a lot of things, and bear in mind, all of the opinions I'm about to express, I have played the game for a total of like five or six hours, which is not much of it. <laughs> yeah, I I am barely into chapter three. The The conceit of the game is that your main character, your sort of self-insert character, uh, is a mercenary. He's the son of a prominent former captain of like these holy knights, and he is sort of roped into being a professor at... It's warrior Hogwarts, and you become the head of one of the titular three houses, each of which is allied with one of the three major, like, ruling powers on this continent. I'm not going to go super into, like, the story, because I don't really know much of it yet. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we are still learning it as we play. <laughs> but the main conceit of the game, and what's very different about this game, is it's broken up into months. And every month is then broken up into different weeks. And each month you have like a story mission that you have to complete. But for the rest of the month, you have days off that you can spend wandering the grounds of the university and talking to your students and talking to the students of other houses and like having dinner with the students wow. and gardening with the yeah. students. And so it's very well, something, persona. <laughs> something I really liked about Fire Emblem that uh, I guess is kind of lost when you have your own self-insert uh, avatar is in previous Fire Emblem games, I liked kind of being this omnipotent coach for all the different units and kind of guiding them. Yeah. And there, there was kind of this sense of me being not part of the team, but me being the one who's like kind of gluing it all together. And while that is present in Fire Emblem Awakening and Fire Emblem Fates, uh, being a much more active participant in the story and kind of, you know, playing optimally means I have to pair myself up with someone. It it always kind of felt weird to me because I, I don't I don't want to be part of the story. I want to see the story unfold. Yeah. Um, and something I really like about this game is that even though you have an avatar character, you do have a self-insert character. A lot of his like his role in the story is in some ways reduced. You are the professor of a class. And so you're kind of it, it's kind of giving me back that uh, that idea that I am a coach kind of managing a team yeah and I, I will say i have heard that the character that you play as takes on a much more major role in the story later on oh i definitely uh, believe it um but like it's he's definitely given a lot of focus yeah but it's still like i i agree with you the, the way that they're treating him as much more of a like he's a character but he's also what the sort of omnipotent player used to be yeah um, um i i also like i'm i'm really enjoying there's an element of like persona style social links you have to go and like you can have dinner with students from your class or from other classes you you take the time to like actually teach you the the weeks are spent with you instructing students and how many instances of instruction you can give to a particular student is based on their motivation which is based partially on how well they do in the missions and partially on how much time you spend with them and if you like do favors for them around the university they do or the monastery is what it's called there's an element where like if you spend time with students that aren't in your class and build up your bonds with them and also you have features in your class that they like you can recruit students from other classes to your class 
I still and, haven't like, figured out how to do that. I haven't successfully done it, but like it's it's a combination of like bond with them, which you can build up by spending time with them on the events, but also you like, can like request their help on missions for like one-off things. Yeah. But then also, so like you you need to both have a relationship with them and ha- be offering things on your class that they're interested in. Wow. And yeah. then you can recruit them that way, which is again a really cool way of building in. It needs to be said these characters are for the most part pretty dang shallow. Yeah. Like it's a huge roster of characters so most of them have like one or two personality traits. But because of the way that the support system works and because of the way that you get to like as people become closer you get to watch little scenes with them and the voice acting helps with this a ton even though they're very like fairly two-dimensional characters the interactions they have with each other feel very real and feel genuine in a way that i'm really fucking impressed by having seen a pretty good number of the the at least c tier support conversations they so have far. really good chemistry and i think yeah. it's helped by the fact that i think with the exception of whoever you choose to pair your avatar with and before people get squicky about that there's a five-year time skip by the time that happens everyone's well into their 20s everything is platonic like yeah. these these relationships you're building are they feel more familial. Yeah. And than... there's there are a couple characters who are a little more flirty, but like it never feels like actual flirting. I've seen uh images of the one lady teacher who I don't know her name. <laughs> okay, yeah. She's, she's very yeah, she's super her. forward, but it's she's... again, it's it's played as kind of a gag. I love that. Yeah. I I honestly I think she's great. I, I for love her. for for the audience. There's there are a couple of other teachers. One of whom is a woman named Manuela, who is like all of her conversations with you are about like. So I I went out on a date with this like absolute stud muffin of a night, but I don't know if it's going anywhere. I broke and, like, up her with him hitting because he on insulted you. my room. It's so fucking good. And again, it's like one of her two character traits. But like, and a lot of this it, comes down to they 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 took the time to like fully have have all of this huge cast fully voice acted. I think, like, yeah, there's yeah. that. And that and then helps also on top ton. of that. Also on top of that, I want to say that, like, yes, the, the, the characters themselves, they have, like, one or two personality quirks, and that's about it. But I think, like, there's also the the amount of consideration that went into, like, this character is part of this noble house in this region that yeah. also let that defines how they interact. Uh, Chris, I, I texted you this uh, when we were playing the game. If you go to the library, you can actually read up on all the noble families. And something I, interesting I learned in the library was that Edelgard, the the house, uh, the head of the Black Eagle House, apparently her family, which is the head of this empire, apparently there was an uprising like some 10 or 20 years before the start of the game, where, yes, she is the daughter of the empire, she's the future empress, but that doesn't mean a lot because that has kind of been reduced to a figurehead position and the real oh, power lies with another family. Oh boy. And those there's... and those two characters are rivals. Oh yeah, at the that's school. Uh, what Ferdinand, is that his name? Yeah, I think it's Ferdinand. The the uh, red-headed dude who's the so, like, prime minister. I, I think family. there's a little bit more under the surface that we're not giving the game credit for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I see also uh in the golden in the the golden deer, which is the house that Dylan and I both cho- chose, they are tied to a political entity called the Leicester Alliance, which is essentially like a noble oligarchy. Like it's it's a collection of noble families that rule over like a, a largely mercantile kind of nation. And the head of the house, Claude, is the the heir to the foremost house. 
in uh, this fun sort fact, of fact did you know that claude he wouldn't have been the heir but the previous heir died and so they found his sister oh, i'm i'm aware that's what i was gonna get to yeah yeah um, yeah yeah he's he is the heir to the ruling house which is what you know going in so there's a there's another character in the house named Lawrence, who is real snooty like real proud of himself for being a lord uh one of the things that Every character has, like, a card that has, like, their likes and dislikes, and one of his dislikes is anything unbefitting of the nobility. Um, <laughs> wow. But there's, their C-level support conversation is Lauren's basically saying, look, you are nothing. You were found to fill this void. You're, you weren't raised by the nobility. You don't belong with the nobility. And I'm going to prove to everyone what a fraud you are. And it's such a good scene because it lays out like, oh, shit, it doesn't <laughs> establish anything like, again, these characters are still very cookie cutter, but the way that they play these different very arch characters against each other is really, really inspired in a really cool way. And yeah, like I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of this game and I'm very excited to see where uh, it goes as I very slowly make my way through it. <laughs> it's changed a lot from what I enjoyed about the old games, but it's also... Yeah. It's it's taking what I didn't like about the newer games, which I, I want to throw out just so people don't call me an elitist. I'm sure they're fine games. They just weren't for me. Yeah. And um, I, I will say I have not played any Fire Emblem that has come out more recently than Radiant Dawn. Right. Until now, which was um, 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, this this game is taking the issues I had about the, the latest games, not, not including Echoes, which is a remake of uh, one of the games on the NES. It's it's taking those things and I think it's refining them. Like it's taking the the focus on characters and with like very stock archetypes, but like it's it's making it work and it's so exciting to yeah, finally then, play. Oh, yep, I, yep, yep. And then the the way that they there's that joke that Coop you made earlier about like Fire Emblem being the waifu engine. But the fact that this is a game where like if you stumble upon a character that you really like, whether it's like their design or their personality or whatever it is there's mechanical benefits for you yes. spending more time with that character. And, like, as much as that leans into the Fire Emblem waifu stereotype, it's cool. It's a cool yes. way of, like, turning a preference that you might have for whatever aspect of a character and allowing you to pursue that and see in-game mechanical benefits for it. Waifu yeah, mechanics matter. And like, I think that's cool. I think that's a yeah. really that's a that's a creative tack that Fire Emblem has always been good at, but the way they're engaging with it here is really kind of inspired. There is an idea that you as the leader of this group are bringing out the best in all of your units. Yep. You're you're seeing the potential mm. in them and you're dragging it out of them. I love it. And it hard is work done and guts, in a way... am I right? Hard work and guts. <laughs> yeah, hard work. <laughs> Listen to watch, Dude, You Remember Macross. Watch Mac Do You Remember Macross to know what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I, I know we, we we're about, it's about time to wrap this up, yeah. but I just wanted to kind of get my last couple gushes out. Who knows? Maybe um, maybe we'll do, if this proves fruitful enough as we're playing through it, we might do like a, a post-mortem episode on Three Houses. I, I would like that. Look at like, it would be kind of fun to do an episode where we look at like one game and be like, all right, here's what this game is doing. Here's what the game's story is going for here's what the mechanics are how do they all work together that could be fun and in the future of course this is only going to be us talking about the golden deer because each house it has an 80 hour campaign yeah we're we ain't crazy <laughs> but <laughs> so if i end up picking this up today and i play play as waifu squad i'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> but something i did want to uh figure up with all these changes you're talking about um for fire for three houses mm-hmm. 
I think there's an influence as to why, especially given we've mentioned Persona so much. Yeah. So that is the last thing we should touch on. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. So a couple uh, years back on the uh, oh so for faded Wii U, there was a crossover game uh, called uh, Tokyo Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sessions. Sharp FE. Yeah. Oh, have you not heard of? Well, I mean, no. I guess I, I don't know why you would have heard of um, this. <laughs> it's basically Persona 4.5. Um, yeah. Okay. And it takes... Uh, base, best way I can describe it is the Personas in this game are Fire Emblem characters, mostly the Awakening set and some classic okay. characters. And, and I, that's I, weird, I remember but at, I'm into it. The, I remember at the time, everyone was pissed. Because uh, when the Wii U was launching, they, they said, like, Shin Megami Tensei Fire Emblem crossover game happening, and everyone had like wild ideas and expectations of what that could manifest as. <laughs> um, and there was like radio silence for like four years. Yep. And then when we finally saw the game, yeah, it was it it wasn't really Shin Megami Tensei or Fire Emblem so much as it was Persona, but it was Persona with like an emphasis on idol culture. Yep. And everyone was just kind of deflated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i a friend actually started playing that and he's told me like mechanically the game is very solid okay uh they I've... incorporate the weapon triangle in some like really smart ways it's it's actually really cool i kind of wish they poured it to the switch i i hope they do that too uh our our giffles friend we have i mentioned earlier i went in with him on a wii u copy of that game and never got around to playing it i want to because it uh that game needs to get ported. That's going to be like a Dreamcast <laughs> hidden gem for that. Because let's be honest, the Wii U kind of feels like the modern Dreamcast. But there's so many. So- let's just say social links for ease of use. Um, so many of that in Sharp Fe that I feel that I bet you I- I- I'm not going to make a very. I'm going to put like a five yen bet um, that <laughs> um, the intelligence systems team probably took a hard comb through hard comb through sharp fe it's like hey using our license we'll use some of these ideas and then persona 5 came out and everybody and their grandma loved it unless unless their grandma was uh a very for the current government that might be some <laughs> issues um, <laughs> but yeah so they took those ideas like persona 5 and persona series you could start seeing with Sharp FE that has had an influence, and I, it would be dumb of intelligent systems not to take that ball and go running with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's I blame Persona for everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, fair. I, I guess this is what I wanted to say was um, in Persona, uh, Persona three, four, and five specifically, it is so much about like you and like a single given party member that you hang out with, and Fire Emblem Three Houses puts so much effort. Uh, emphasis rather on the squad you are not a student hanging out with uh one of your fellow students you are a professor who is you know you are nudging your students together and trying to get them to make peace with each other and become a stronger unit because of it and the the reward that you get so you have a professor level that increases as you do tasks around the, the monastery and complete quests and like do the activities and the reward for increased professor levels is more energy pips to spend on doing things with the students and to spend on being able to teach more students in the weekly lessons. So the, the reward for doing a good job is more ability to spend time with more students. And that's, again, 
really cool mechanical and gameplay interaction there. Mechanical and story interaction there. I am so happy from what you've told me that there is no cat in this game that tells me it's time to go to sleep. No, the the, no. the cat does not tell you to go to sleep. <laughs> Instead, when you run out of activity points in the exploring the monastery section, it plays the original Fire Emblem theme on the school bells, and I fucking love it. That's amazing! Yep. <laughs> you, you, you spend your last point, you just hear bong, 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 and it's so good. I love it. Hose mad. So this turned into us get gushing about this cool game, but hopefully it will maintain this momentum uh, as we play through it, and we might return to it for like a postmortem. Um, uh, I, this episode is going to be extra off, long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, off camera, we talked about Gita Jackson's Kotaku review of Fire Emblem Three Houses, yep. and I think if what she wrote down is any indication, that momentum keeps going yep. throughout most of the campaign. I'm real excited. But we've eaten up a little bit extra of your time this week, so thank you very much for listening to Backstage Gaming. It's been great having you. It's been also great having our friend Coop. Uh, thank and you. once again, check out Dude You Remember Macross. It's a great show. I'm going to be in a couple episodes of it, uh, but the backlog has been very fun. I've fallen a little behind because life is hard, but it's yeah, really fun. Sense. And if you have any interest in mecha anime or macross specifically it's definitely worth a listen uh coop one more time where can people find that you can find that at anchor.fm slash do you remember all your uh preferred podcast locations and at twitter slash uh twi- twitter facebook at slash do you remember there we go yes and yeah, this is backstage gaming we are on itunes spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcasts and if you like what you listen to if you like what we have to say if you think we're interesting uh, consider leaving a rating, a review, telling your friends, telling your family, telling your students if you're a teacher at a monastery for noble spoiled brats. Your mailman. Maybe your mailman. Mailmen walk around a lot. They need podcasts. I don't know where I'm going with this. We're also, I don't either. We also have a website. It's bsgpod.com. That's where you can get our episodes straight from the source. You can also contact us via a, uh, a form we have there. It's got bios for me and Dylan. It's got everything you need if you're a real, real diehard backstage gaming fan. And we know you're out there. We know. We know. Thank you, Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was, I was shouting out to our one diehard fan, yeah, Dakota. We no, we have another, and he's a guy that my girlfriend goes to school with that I've interacted with all of twice. But he has apparently <laughs> made references to recent episodes when talking to her at school. Wow. So, you know what? I love you. I love you, Leon. Leon, you're, the, you're a real one. Wait are a you, second. Are you keeping this in here, or are you? Fuck taking yeah! This? <laughs> is it? Is it? Is, is, is his full name? Is his full name Leon Scott Kennedy? No, unfortunately. Ah, so. uh, but Leon, you a real one. We appreciate you. <laughs> anyway, Dylan, social media me. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Backstage Gaming. Thank you for listening to Backstage Gaming. Uh, if you want to check us out on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And you can also give us a listen on YouTube. Um, and if you like or dislike what we're talking about, maybe you want to talk about uh, Fire Emblem. That'd be cool. Uh, you should use the hashtag BSGpod. Also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for providing us with our key art. If you like what he's doing, you can check him out at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French.squarespace.com. You can also check him out at instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts.
Oh, yeah. Uh, you should also give some love to our friend BioQuery. He is the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1, Instrumentality. He is a an electronic music creator and producer. He's out in LA. He's got a couple EPs out, out right now. One of his solo work called Posthuman Angst, and another that he produced for a bunch of hip-hop artists from around the country called Lynx Volume 1. They're both phenomenal, and if you want to listen to him, which you totally should, you can do that by searching for BioQuery, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, on Spotify, or by going to his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. And one more time, just want to shout out our, patri- our patrons, what up, Coop, uh, and remind what? you that we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash bsgpod. It is what we're using to support the overhead costs of the show, and going forward as it develops more money, if it does, if we're so lucky... We'll be putting that back into the show to up the production value, get new equipment, maybe start new projects, all that kind of stuff. So if you like what we're doing and you want to show us your support in that way, patreon.com slash bsgpod is the way to do that. That is all I have. One more big thank you to Coop for joining us. Uh, follow him on Twitter at writerstrike. And that is R-I-D-E-R strike. Yeah. And I think that about does it. Anything else from you two? Um, I, I was, I had a thought here. Um, oh boy. <laughs> so, so did, why Brennan, if he has just like a, a individual Tumblr or Facebook or whatever, he should, it, it's probably taken already, but he should totally go at French toast. <laughs> and then I also had another dumb thought. So, <laughs> so, um, you're talking about BioQuery's link cell or ET. So which links are we talking about?